Welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. Welcome back, everyone, to the ResearchWorks podcast. It is Dana here. We are here at EACD Slovenia 2023, and it is now day three, the final day of the conference, which is always uh, a whole lot of fun because the conference dinner was last night, so I'm pretty amazed I even have a voice. But we have so much more to bring to you today as well. And today, I'm so excited to be able to introduce to you, I guess, Professor Nora Shields, because I feel like I've spoken to every other member of a team about this amazing program, and I actually get to meet her in person now. Welcome, Nora. Thanks, Dana. <laughs> lovely to meet you. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you as well. Um, so from the Trobe University and now the Olga Tennyson Autism Research Centre, um, you've come a long way to this conference too. It was a pretty long flight, wasn't it? It was. It was. Well, it's always, it's always a long flight to, to get to Europe. But then once you, once you land, though... Yeah, it's, it's so nice to be here. And Slovenia has been this amazing, um, amazing place to have this conference. I've just been really enjoying that. Um, so today, I guess I really just want to talk to you about your presentation, which actually represents a huge body of work. And I say huge, and I really do mean huge. But your presentation title was Effect of a Community-Based Intervention, Fit Skills for Young People with Disability on Physical Activity Participation. It's a step wedge cluster randomized trial. Now, I know that Fit Skills was the has won many awards and uh, every time I speak with members of your team or I look at your papers, I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> how did you do this and how did you come up with it? Let's start there, Nora. <laughs> oh, well, you know, let, let's, um, if, if we go, if we go back to the beginning, yeah. um, it, it, everything always starts by asking a single question. I love that. <laughs> it's a dangerous question. It's a dangerous question. And so the question I asked was, why do young adults with Down syndrome, mm -hmm. why are they not physically active? And question. so I went and I, well, I, I didn't go. So I, um, I had an honours student at the time uh -huh. uh, who uh, went and spoke with young adults with uh, Down syndrome and their right. families uh -huh. and their support people mm -hmm. and basically said, well, why aren't you active and what would help um, support you being active. Great. And they told us so much, so much, so much rich <laughs> stuff that, um, but, but one of the key things that kept coming up mm. um, and which I've learned is actually quite a universal concept mm. is, is that the lack of social support was yeah. one of the key barriers. Yeah. And they told us, well, if, you know, we need somebody to exercise with. Yeah. If, if we've got somebody, then that, that really helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason that that really struck a chord was because at the time I was coordinating the pediatric content of the physiotherapy program. Yes. And, uh, you know, we, you know, ask all of our graduates uh -huh. at the end of the course, like when they're a year out, mm. you know, sort of what was good, what was, what was, what would you change, those yeah. kind of things. And they you know, consistently kind of over a number of years. Mm. And when I was re reviewing this data, I said, well, we, we want more opportunities to work with young people. 
So here I had one group of young people who were saying, (laughs) we need somebody to exercise with. And another group of young people saying, Mm. well, we need to get experience working with young people. And so essentially the idea of fit skills was born. Um, And so the the next step was (laughs) sort of testing that idea out because, um, you know, so the next question (laughs) was, well, what would happen if I put a young person with Down syndrome into a gym with a physiotherapy student and and nobody else there? Yeah. Would, would that would that be okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it turns out, yes, that wow. you know that was you know that 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 seemed to work. And mm. so then the next step was, well, can we do that on a you know sort of a larger scale? Yep. And then all the time that we were doing this, um, that the then sort of evolved to sort of streams of of work. Yes, one stream was very much around the young person with disability. Uh-huh. You know. Um, what were the benefits? Mm-hmm. What what happened to them? Mm. You know, um, what, what did they think? What yeah. you know, sort of, Their what did they get out of it? Yeah. But also then for the student, mm. you know, sort of, what did they get out of it? Mm. You know, did they get out of it? You know, and of course, you know, what we found and replicated numerous times now is that it's a win-win situation. Amazing. So the young people with disability get the support that they need to exercise at the gym. Yeah. Um, they love it because um, they're actually really apprehensive about going into that yeah. setting. Yeah. Um, and we kind of know that people are apprehensive about going into a new <laughs> setting, but I hadn't yeah. really, on, on, you know, kind of understood just how sort of fearful they were about, mm. you know, um, will people stare at me? Mm. Will I know what to do with the gym yeah. equipment? Will I hurt myself yeah. if I exercise in the wrong way? Mm. They, they had all of these kind of, you know, Such sort of genuine questions and, and concerns in the new environment, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and they're legitimate as well, yeah. because like for years, we've kind of, yeah. been, you know, kind of, you know, sort of, mm. I suppose, Molly coddling them in a, in a, yeah. in a way. Yep. Um, and then then for the, you know, um, so the key thing for them then was to have somebody waiting there at the gym, yeah. which just reassured them that, mm. you know, kind of, that well, alone. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not here on my own. Yeah. I've, I've got somebody to, to meet and who's, you know, going to sort of be my exercise partner here. Yep. And, 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 and also that that was a sort of a driver as well, yeah. because, you know, we're, we're all the same when, when it comes to like, you know, kind of, do I, am I going to put on my runners and I'm going to go out and, yeah. you know, sort of, oh, you know, it's a process. It's process. Yeah, yeah. And so, but if you have somebody waiting for you at the other end, you can't let that person down. Mm. And, and that's mm. sort of what they, they told us that's is amazing. that, you know, yeah. they, they continue to show up yeah. because they had somebody who was showing up for them. Yeah. Um, and then for the young, um, you know, the student mentors, um, they, uh, it, it's, it's incredible because it's, it's, rem- it, it, the data are so remarkably consistent mm. and, and what they tell us mm. sort of completely independently because, yeah. you know, they're doing this one-to-one at, at different gyms. So they don't always know each other sure, either. Sure. Um, and, and so the, what, what they tell us is, is that mm. they suddenly, they, they suddenly get disability in a way that they didn't get before. So right. about half of our student mentors have never met 
a young a, a person with disability. Wow. So, you know, wow. that's kind of quite remarkable yeah, for, for, really for a group of young people who are in a health discipline of the university. <laughs> About to enter the industry. A, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Wow. And so um, the, the message that we get from them is is that they, they suddenly appreciate that mm. this young person mm is just like them, that they have the same wants, needs, desires, they have the same dreams and goals and they want the same things out of life. And as, um, you know, kind of funny as it sounds, but that really is a light bulb moment for them. And and I think for creating a health workforce, that's incredibly important. You know, one in five people have a disability. Mm. And so we really want our health workforce to actually get yeah. get that yeah that's right because it's it's just the one it's the awareness it's the you know we call them the soft skills associated with that being able to communicate being able to plan but I, I absolutely love that how you develop that because it's so consumer led on so many levels it's it's uh, not just the children and their families but it's also looking at our health workforce for the future it's, it's constantly preparing us and I think that's why this is such a program that has won awards I can see I can see why it's amazing and, and it's interesting you say that Dana because mm. one of the things I mean obviously we've had we've, we've listened at all like it, it actually has has come from consumers yeah. lots of the ideas you just ask, have, have, uh, just, yep. you, you ask the right questions yep. and actually people will tell you yeah. the answers yeah. um, but the other part of it was is that sort of after the initial um research studies that we did um we did we did a a large trial Mm -hmm. um and um uh, i remember the trial coordinator telling me at at the time that she kept getting uh, this feedback from the participants in the experimental group saying we really loved that intervention we really loved that that worked that worked so well we want to do it again can we do it again really and she 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 really um you know she kept saying nora you need to do something about this you can't let you you know you you can't just ignore this because you know this this sort of feedback was 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 overwhelming really and was very consistent Mm. and so that sort of led us to sort of ask the next question the next question was as well you know can can it be established as a fee-for-service program like nominally so um you know using a sort of a not-for-profit model and and this was pre-ndis okay so you know kind of would actually would would people sort of pay to do something Mm. like this Mm. um and the answer is yes (laughs) yes they would and and at that point the other thing that you know that the research up to that point had um involved uh, young people with down syndrome Mm -hmm. and but at that point we we said well we reckon this might work for other young people with disability. Yeah. Should we kind of open it up and see what happens? <laughs> so we did. We did, yeah. And, yep. um, and, 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 yes, so, so in the next kind of iteration, yes, yep. we still had this, this group of young, um, young people with Down syndrome, but young people with cerebral palsy wow. started coming into the mix. And, and then young people on the autism spectrum. So, you know, we've kind of, um, you know, Nat- naturally, mm. this this whole sort of um, you know diverse group of young people who yeah. all identify as having a disability mm. 
are drawn to the idea and and the thing that kind of gets them in and they've told us this the thing that kind of gets them over the line because mm-hmm. um you know for many of them they've been told for years you you need to exercise you need to be physically <laughs> yeah, active right. and yeah. you know and again they they've, they've told us you <laughs> yeah. know sort of my pediatrician has been telling me for years <laughs> that I need to exercise yeah. but the thing that gets them over the line yeah. is 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 the is is the mentor yeah. is 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 that social support mm. is having that person mm. waiting for them at the gym mm. so that they so that they're not doing it on their own yeah. so that they yeah. have the support that they need yeah. and yeah. and and that support can take many guises it can yeah. simply be the presence of another person sure. but sometimes it's that they need that person to kind of keep them on task yeah. or to keep them focused yeah. or to or to show, you know kind of yeah. to to learn together how to yeah. use the, the, the equipment. And also someone who's sort of similar age as well. It's not um, a parent or many times if say, I mean, it'll be expensive, but if you have a physiotherapist or an exercise physiologist go out with them every single time, they're still, you know, that it's a different relationship, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. Don't you hit yeah. the nail on the head? Like what adolescent wants to exercise with their parents? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good point. And yet, and yet yeah. when you look at the literature, mm-hmm. we expect young people with disability mm. to do things with their families all the time yeah, yeah. and and you know that that yeah. just doesn't reflect yeah. what every other yeah. teenager growing yeah. up wants to do that's that's when people you know gain their independence that's right they, yeah. they begin to develop their yeah. uh, their own identities yeah. independent of their families yeah. and that's just that's a normal that part normal. of growing yeah. up um, and you know kind of it's 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 exactly the same for people with disability <laughs> they're not yeah. any different yeah. you know. and I feel like that's been such a theme through this conference I've been speaking to so many people now saying that we are always need to be thinking about the transition to adulthood and that transition to adulthood starts with us as pediatric therapists right from the beginning to develop self-efficacy developing platforms and the ability for them to make their own decisions over time because it doesn't happen at a click go okay well now you're done pediatrics and here we go to adults and and we don't do our children and our families a service when we when we do it that way we really have to allow and facilitate that process and I feel like you've already done that that was you know it's you've been thinking about that already and we're sort of all coming alongside that I'm really curious about that time lag like when you first came up with the idea and you've evolved it over time when did the idea first come about like how long has this taken oh this is this is now well over a decade in the in you know kind of if so if we start off you know with the qualitative study and then we did a pilot um, randomized controlled trial. Then we did a, um, you know, a large randomized controlled trial. Then we did a, you know, an initial feasibility study to right. see would it work in practice. And then the 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 the, the, the trial of the study that I uh, spoke about at yeah. this conference <laughs> yep. was a large implementation trial that yep. we actually secured the funding for in in 2016. So wow. you know, kind of by the time you get all the staff on board, by the time you start recruiting yeah. participants and getting the trial running, like we we just scraped in by the skin of our teeth with um, COVID. We, our last data collection point was uh, February 2020. Wow. So so we had most people Mm. do an an Mm. in-person final assessment, Mm -hmm. but the, you know, of course, as, as always is the case with um, clinical trials, you know, there are some stragglers. And so we had to collect the the final sort of pieces of data, um, you know, just remotely by 
questionnaire right. because that was yeah. That's what we had that to do. What everybody had to do. We were all adapting. That's right. What will be your main take-homes for clinicians about about your studies and what you found, particularly what you presented as well the other day? Like, what will be the main take-home that you really want people to grasp and walk away with? Um, well, there's a couple of things. Mm. So I, I think that the main one is that fit skills really is an exemplar. So mm. I'm not presenting this as this is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. There are many, many, many examples mm. um, of how to do this, how to do it and how to do it well. Mm. Um, the thing I'm proudest of is is the fact that fit skills is evidence based. Yeah. It, it yeah. it's 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 rock solid. Yeah. <laughs> we've 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 really done yeah. done the work and built it up. Yeah. Um and um so so for me it's for everybody to take that as an exemplar that yes mm. we can do this mm. it is possible mm. um, and it, it's it's one way to get young people active yeah and yeah. um, there are going to be lots of other ways and I sure. think often you know and even there was a question yesterday in one of the sessions you know well which is better you know um, cycling or you know kind of <laughs> swimming or what whatever you know it's like it, it's not that one is better than the other mm. it's it just got choices we've got choices yeah and actually, that's yeah. one of the other things that, that um, young people with disability and their families told me in another study quite some time ago is, yeah. is that choice matters to them in the same way that choice matters to everybody else. Yes. And, and uh, you know, often they um, don't have choice. They don't have a lot of choice. Mm. So, so having, you know, um, multiple options yes. that will work in different contexts yes. because fit skills won't work in every context. Sure. Um, but but um, sort of, I suppose, using the key ideas mm. and the, the key themes, I mm. suppose, from fit skills. Mm. And so that's the sort of second main mm. thing is, yeah. is that the gold in fit skills yeah. is really that social support. Yes. And there are lots and lots of ways of providing social support. Yes. Um, we've looked at that in gym settings, mm-hmm. but I mean, equal you could be looking at how, yeah. how you use social support yeah. in other yeah. settings as well. I guess that's the skills of the clinicians to be able to know the family and the context and the environment, what's available. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's also been a bit of a theme through the conference too. It hasn't just been, you know, we've got, we do name our interventions to help identify what it is that we're doing, but the key is more so to understand the ingredients that have made it effective and to be able to draw on them and to implement them in the right context. And I feel like the what you've spoken about with mentorship and you know social support that is something that I feel like we could easily do in our practice to think about that and facilitate that in the conversation yeah yeah, yeah. and I think the final thing I would sort of say to, to clinicians mm. is to is you know not to mollycoddle <laughs> young people with disability yeah. you know to give things a go I think mm. I think we're still quite hesitant yeah. about giving things a go and, and and I understand that because we always come from that first principle of first do no harm yeah. um, but the but the thing is is that Young people are incredibly resilient mm. and they, they want to give things a go. Yeah. And there is dignity in allowing young people um, the opportunity to experience yeah. risk yeah. Um, as well. And, you know, we, we 
you know, many, many, many clinicians become very risk averse. Yeah. And actually that doesn't do, that, 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 that really doesn't help facilitate. Yeah. Um, and so one of the other posters that, you know, we, we have at the conference <laughs> is really about yeah. that, is, well, is about the fact that, mm. you know, we've, we've looked at particularly for those young people with more complex disability. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think we're still a little bit afraid of what might happen if sure. we let them, them do things. We're yeah. still afraid that they would hurt themselves yeah. or that there, there would be an adverse reaction or an adverse event. And of course, we don't want any of those things to happen. Mm. But, but we, you know, we, we also need to think about the question of, what would happen if they don't exercise? Yeah. What's the risk of them not yeah, exercising? Right. Yep. Um, and then by asking that question, that then us, then sort of leads us to um, to really think about okay, how can we how how can we do this? Yeah. How, you know. Yeah. What, what what do we need to do? Yeah. What are the steps we can take to yeah. actually do this in a way yeah. that everybody benefits? No, that's such a, a wonderful take home. I think that that's something that we can all we can all just take take that advice and implement it straight away. So absolutely incredible. Um, I love this conversation with you. I do feel like I need another opportunity to talk to you on a whole big scale of all of your studies. But I think for all of the listeners right now, just to get a taste of where this came from and all the results to follow and, and just to be aware of it, I think is just absolutely fabulous. So thank you so much for your time today on the final day of conference, bright and early. Thank you for coming in so early. <laughs> thanks, Dana. <laughs> absolutely loved it. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you're enjoying this conference series. Stay tuned for so much more. Talk to you soon. Bye.